Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to a special edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. He's been here for the entire 2022 year. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, this is a special edition of the show, as we alluded to, because it is the final week of 2022. Yep. And there really is not a lot of big headlines going on in the land of sports, pro wrestling, movies, TV, and comics. Uh-huh. There's enough that would feel like, per se, a one-shot, yeah. as we like to wrap up the show with, if you're a longtime listener of the show. But we thought we'd take a dive into a few areas that we definitely want you to check out before the year is done. Yes. And this is going to be a fusion episode where we combine both the entertainment and sports editions into one nice podcast for you to listen to. So we definitely want to interact with you after this show as well. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. All our accounts are right there on the front page. Can't make it any easier. No. The T Public Store link is there, which you never know what you're going to find at that store. I'm just going to say right now, we've been selling a lot of merch lately, so thank mm. you very much. We do appreciate when we see the brand represented out amongst the wild, so to speak. We also have the Patreon. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. A new episode just came out strictly for them. So if you want to know what we're talking about, one tier, $2 a month, and you get a lot of bonus content. Free, like I would say free of charge, but you know it really isn't. But you go that extra mile for us, we go that extra mile for you. Also, we got the directory, which has... How many links, Pat? Uh, 1,227. Sounds about right to me, so I don't argue with that at all. So if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, I don't know what else we can do for you. We give you enough ways to listen to the ODPH. It should be that simple. The classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. Parley Points Blog section. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this fusion edition of the show... There is one business that is going on right now that never goes out of style during the winter months of a year, and that is the business of American football, known as the National Football League. And with two weeks now remaining, things are getting very, very interesting. Yeah, Adam Schefter, today as we tweeted, tweeted out a list, and it is quite the list of playoff scenarios for various teams, and... My God, I need a spreadsheet to keep it all keep it all straight. Yes, it is a little wild to see how everybody's falling into place for the postseason. But we have to recap the week that was in the NFL, Week 16. So, Pad, kick us off with the locks and leaps. Yeah, so I'm going to start with one of my locks, and I chose the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Seattle Seahawks because, hey, it's Kansas City and it's at home. Uh, yeah. and the Chiefs did win by the final score of 24-10. Patrick Mahomes, 16-28 of 28 for 224 yards passing, two touchdowns, no inter- interceptions. Geno Smith, 25 of 40 for 215 yards passing, uh, one touchdown and one interception. Kenneth Walker III, your leading rusher for Seattle, 26 carries, 107 yards, no touchdowns. 
touchdowns. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco uh, led for Kansas City, 14 carries, 58 yards, no touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, surprised to no one, led for Kansas City, uh, six catches, 113 yards, uh, and zero touchdowns. And then DK Metcalf, again, surprised to nobody, led Seattle in receiving with seven catches, 81 yards, and no touchdowns. Great bounce back game for Kansas City. Yeah. Obviously, last week was not the best showing from this team. Uh, to say the least. To say the least, but they now look like they're playoff ready. I mean, Seattle is a playoff team, as crazy as that sounds, because obviously with all the changeover they've had this past off season, we weren't really expecting to see much out of Seattle. And the fact that they're a 500 team this late in the season, that's a big win. So, oh, yeah. So they have nothing to really be ashamed about. But for Kansas City... They needed this win to really bounce back from a very ugly win last week, and they did. And Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. Much better game out of him moving forward. Pacheo is definitely stepping up in that running back role, yeah. so that's something that they're going to need moving forward to really balance this team out. Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. I mean, best one of the best tight ends in the league, if not the best. It's debatable. Yeah. And you're now seeing this offense really click. The defense shut down a very, very surprising Seattle team. Mm -hmm. Geno Smith did not play that bad. I want to stress this. He did not really make too many mistakes. Sure, one interception, but it is what it is. But overall, I thought they played very solid. Kenneth Walker still had 100 yards on the ground running. Yeah. Which I'm not going to say is, is a cause for alarm because Kansas City is not known for their defense. No, not these days. Not these days. They're very well known for being the high-scoring offense juggernaut. They'll go through teams and drop 35 yeah. at will. yeah. The fact they got 24 over on Seattle, I thought was a good win for them. And for Seattle's defense, I don't think that that was that bad. No. The offense just really got stifled. And I think that that was something that they really focused in on Geno Smith's weaknesses and really pressured him a lot that he did not get a lot of time to really look down the field and see where he could get the ball. I mean, this is a this is a good win for Kansas City. Like you said, they bounce back. Also, it's not necessarily a bad – it's a bad loss for Seattle in that it hurts their playoff chances. Sure. But in terms of the defense, it's not bad because, hey, this is Kansas City, who you held them to 24 points. Patrick Mahomes only 224 yards passing and only two touchdowns. And I can say this because I have Patrick Mahomes on my, one of my fantasy teams. This is a guy that, like, earlier in the year against – I want to say it was, like, Arizona or something like that. You know, and this is obviously Arizona's bad, but this is early in the season. So, mm -hmm. different Arizona. Sure. Um. But, like, against Arizona or whatever it was, he dropped, like, four or five touchdowns and a game on him. So, like, the fact that you kept Kansas City to 24 points and Mahomes only had two touchdowns, that's a win. Well, Seattle is a lot better than anybody was expecting. Like, if there was a team that gets in the playoffs and somehow they can pull it off, they would be a team to watch for. But this is a moral win, and I think moving forward into the offseason where I think they're going to be stuck in. I mean, obviously, the playoffs, I don't necessarily know if – they even get in if they're going to make a run probably not it's just how it's going to be but it's a great comeback story for Gino and I think that he's going to lock up a new contract with them am I going to say he's going to get franchised no by any means but I think that he's definitely going to get a big payday out of this and then if Seattle decides to draft the quarterback of the future they can sit he can sit behind him yeah uh, Kansas City looking at these standings. Uh, Kansas City obviously in the number two seed. Uh, and then over in the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks currently the eight seed. Okay. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, for the remaining schedules for the rest of the year, uh, this upcoming Sunday, the Denver, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs play the Denver Broncos. That's right. And then on uh, the final week of the season, they play the Las Vegas Raiders. And then for the Seattle Seahawks, this upcoming Sunday, they take on the New York Jets. And that's a home game. And then for the final game of the season, they play the Los Angeles Rams at home. So an interesting uh, scenario for Kansas City moving forward. Yeah. 
They need to win outright because I think if they have to travel on the road anywhere, they're going to struggle to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They really are. The fact they're at home, they get a lot of interesting uh, karma their way. Yeah. We'll just put it mildly. Just the outsider looking in, just my opinion, folks. Yeah. But they do play extremely well at home. But I think if they have to travel on the road, they're in trouble. And right now, they need to win outright. Buffalo is going to be the biggest challenge for them because Buffalo holds everything in their favor. They have to win outright as well. But the game on Monday night, which the Bills have to play, that's going to be really the make or break of who's the, the number one seed going to be in the in the AFC. Right. Because Cincinnati is still making a run there as well. Like That's a weird scenario that's happening here. For Kansas City, all they can do is control their own destiny. Mm-hmm. They have to win outright. Can they do it? Absolutely. Will they do it? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and then going to one of my leaps, it was the Green Bay Packers to beat the Miami Dolphins, which they did by the final score of 26-20. to Aaron Rodgers had 24-38 for 238 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Tua Tagovailoa, 16 of 25 for 310 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Uh, Raheem Mostert led for Miami in rushing with eight carries, 45 yards, no touchdowns. A.J. Dillon led for Green Bay with 11 carries, 36 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Alan Lazard led Green Bay in receiving with five catches, uh, 61 yards, no touchdowns. And then Jalen Waddell led Miami in receiving five catches, 143 yards, one touchdown. Also uh, of no Tyreek Hill, four catches, 103 yards, no touchdowns. Well, I think, unfortunately, the takeaway from this is Tua is now back in concussion protocol. Uh-huh. And he took a very, oh. very vicious hit Jesus. early in that game that – I he never looked right after. I can't find the stats now, but like there was his. I saw a thing on Twitter last night, I think, where it was his stats pre concussion, mm-hmm. and they were pretty. They were pretty damn good. It was like whatever of whatever, two hundred something yards, two hundred yards and change, one touchdown. You know, maybe one interception, no interception, whatever it was, and then post concussion, dramatically lower completion to attempts per uh, ratio. And then, like, 91 or 92 yards passing, and then, like, the other remaining interceptions. Yeah. Yeah, you you could tell uh, dude was not okay. No, unfortunately not. And, obviously, he has had some very scary health scenarios play out this year. Yeah. And as much as I don't like the Miami Dolphins, I don't wish that on any player. The fact that Tua is now back in concussion protocol, I am just wishing the best. Yeah. And I'm just hoping he comes back physically and mentally well well because it, and what's the one thing we hear from like pro wrestlers for example though it's like it's not the first one you worry about it's the next one yeah and unfortunately he has had some very scary ones this year like i'm yeah. not trying to over dramatize it if you will yeah but this is a scenario where it's like hey. he should not be playing if he's in this kind of condition and i understand that he wasn't ruled out right right after the first hit but we're seeing this more and more in the where the players are kind of policing themselves, and somebody should have realized something was not right and just made that call. I understand he did not indicate really anything, but if you kind of think that something's going on, they should have somebody should have said something. In sure, my opinion. that's just sure. my opinion sure. about this because I hate seeing this. Well, because I mean that's the athlete thing, you, in all, you see it in all sports, hockey especially, but like baseball, you know, basketball or whatever. Where like Derek Jeter was n- notorious for this, where like he could have, and I'm, metaphorically speaking. He could have a busted fucking arm, you know, and would never tell you anything's wrong and would play with a busted fucking arm. Mm-hmm. When realistically, you know, guy, should, you know, injured, whatever got going on, should be pulled out. But they're like, no, no, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. 
Yeah, it's just one of those things. I understand that you have a lot of pride and you don't want to go out and you don't want to hear anybody say anything. But at the same time, we're talking about concussions. Yeah. This is not something that should be taken lightly. And if you can see a a big drop-off in play like he had, this is pause for concern. Like, pull him out and really make sure he's okay. This was a scenario that I don't think they did, in my opinion, that I'm just sitting here watching. The second half, he looked awful. Yeah. And Tua doesn't have a drop-off like that. You don't see that with a lot of quarterbacks that they can play perfect for two quarters mm-hmm. and then just fall apart. Yeah, it, it. I find it astounding that he was left in the game at all, especially given all the, the kerfuffle that was earlier this year with his, yeah. fir- with his first one. And I, and I had to pull it up because the NFL's got, you know, at least $765 million worth of reasons to – to be concerned about this. And I say 765 million because that was the lawsuit that was settled back in 2013 uh, in the law in the lawsuit with former players, mm-hmm. you know, so the NFL had to, had to dole out $765 million because of this lawsuit. So you would think they would take this a little more seriously. And they have, there's, there's certain stuff that like they've improved upon over the years, especially concerned to, you know, just in the last five, 10 years, but you still see these instances where guys are very clearly something's wrong. And then it comes out, during the game or after the game, you know, the, oh, they had a concussion. It's like, well, why the fuck were they left in there? Yeah. It's a situation where players, I think, are going to have to do more policing. Yeah. They're really going to have to. Because, yeah. I mean, we, we, we praised Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. You know, when he did that. Oh, and the NFL tried saying, oh, we no, no, we noticed he had a thing. So why didn't you stop the game immediately and, and Aguilar had to call the call timeout? Exactly. Don't give me that shit. Exactly. You're, you're trying to make it sound like a PR thing. No. It's like this is where we applaud players that are doing this. Because they're going to need to. Because yeah. as much as people want to be prideful about staying in the game and proving how tough they are and, and winning and going you know, to those great lengths. Everybody wants their own Jordan flu game. Exactly. But listen, there's no shame in saying, hey, something's not right. My bell got fucking rung and I don't know what day of the week it is. Exactly. And for I will say this too. I have to call it right down the middle to borrow a little phrase from 607 TWS. Yeah. I saw a lot and I do mean a lot of Bill's Mafia on Twitter talking trash to Miami fans about Tua after this. Mm. Now, let's be clear about this. I said a lot. Bill's Mafia is quite huge. Yeah, there's a fair number of them. And unfortunately, the negative voices kind of drowned out when Tua was originally heard. Remember, he posted yeah. that the, the, the Bills uh, Mafia yeah, he donated, yeah, donated a lot to a foundation yeah. as well, too. Uh, this was a situation where when Bills fans were out there talking trash and saying, well, I'm going to hold up receipts for, you know, when you're talking about Tua MVP, going after somebody when they've had a concussion like this. Yeah. That's poor taste. I mean, if you want to shit talk the team just because they lost at home on Sunday against the sure. against the Packers, who are not nearly as good as they have been the last three years, fall all fine, dandy. Do it, do it as much as you want to. But where where I have issue with it is when you start going after a particular player because oh he sucks, all oh, this, all that. Well, dude, he had a fucking concussion. Yeah, the fact that that came he's, up, he's not a hundred percent. Yeah, the fact that that came up, it's like shut up. Like literally, if something happens to Josh. Oh, yeah. Trust oh, yeah. me, you, you would you would hear a complete 180. And, and considering how much, you know, Bills fans like to say, oh, the Dolphins aren't ready for the cold. They like that warm weather too much. Were it not for the fucking blizzard starting in Buffalo when it did, or the, or the heavy snow that started when it did the week prior, 
Bills might have lost that game. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doubting that. Because up until that point, Miami was handling themselves pretty well, I would say, all things considered, given the weather conditions and all that. The friggin' skies opened up, and it started snowing, and then the Bills pulled through. Yeah, it's a situation where Bills fans, there's a time and place to take a shot. That wasn't it. No. That was very poor taste. I saw that a lot, unfortunately, on Twitter. And I'm just sitting there going, you know what? You better hope nothing happens to Josh. I'm just saying this oh, right yeah. now. Because of how he runs and how he takes some crazy hits. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And like I say, this is coming Leaps from... Leaps and hurdles, everybody. This is coming from a Bills fan numeral yeah. one right here. I am saying, shut up and stop taking shots like that. You can say Miami had a bad game. You can say whatever you want. But the fact that you're, if you were going after Tua about the concussions, shut up. I don't want to hear about you. Right. I, I don't want to hear nothing. Because like I say, if it was our quarterback, oh, it'd be a whole different story. Oh, yeah. It'd be an entire one. So you can't use that excuse. On the flip side, though, let's get back to football because I'm just getting more angry at the nonsense sure. I saw. Green Bay. Yeah. How are they doing this? Sheer dumb luck. Literally. Aaron Rodgers is playing well. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing all right for himself. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely trying to get the best of what he can with what he's got. I mean, Christian Watson has been a blessing yeah. on disguise here for him, so it's definitely helped him get the passing game going. Him and Lazard had a good game. I just don't know how much they're going to be able to pull it off moving forward, though. It, it's going to be interesting, just because you know they're kind of they're on the outside looking in because looking at the playoff standings, they are currently in uh, eighth, ninth. They're in the tenth spot. Uh, they are tied with the same record as Detroit and Seattle, who are ahead of them at nine and eight respect nine spot and eight spot respectively. So they're going to need some help and some losses and some other nonsense and BS. But I mean, they're not out of it, but. They certainly didn't help themselves uh, earlier in the year going on a one, two, three, four, five game losing streak. Yeah, it's one of those scenarios that if Aaron Rodgers does sneak in somehow, they could make some noise. They could. I just don't think they're going to do no. it. I mean, obviously, they need a lot of luck. And that's why I'm saying I'm giving the benefit of the doubt because crazier things have happened. It's true. So you never know what's going to happen. Obviously, next week will give us a very, very big picture of what who's going in and who's not. Oh, yeah. Just with a few spots that are going to go to the final game. But for Green Bay, it was a good win. Unfortunately, though, you got to put an asterisk by it. You really do. Because I think if Tua was 100%, that game would have been a lot different. Right. I seriously do. Right. Uh, and looking at the schedules for the rest of the year, the Green Bay Packers have the Minnesota Vikings at home uh, this upcoming Sunday. And then the following week, they're playing the Detroit Lions at home. And then for the Miami Dolphins, they have the New England Patriots this upcoming Sunday on the road in New England. Good luck. It's going to be fucking a little chilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have the New York Jets to close out the year uh, at home. And I got a couple playoff scenarios uh, for this upcoming weekend. So the Miami Dolphins can clinch a playoff berth, keyword playoff berth, uh, with either a win and a Jets loss or tie. Or if Miami ties, plus a Jets loss, plus a Pittsburgh loss or tie. Well... I think they have a lot of things going in their favor. I think the Jets, unfortunately, are completely failing at the worst time. Well, I mean, it was announced, I think, this morning, yesterday, whatever it was, uh, Mike White cleared to play. We'll start for the remainder of the season. Um, and then he will have Joe Flacco as his backup uh, for the remainder of the season. Zach Wilson, thanks for your services. Sounds like you're on your way out the door. Come He's the gone. End, come the end of the season. He's, he's so gone. Which is fucking wild for considering he was drafted in mm, 2021. 
Yep. And so it was the, their first over, their first pick in the first round or whatever it was, you know, second pick or whatever the hell it was. He was number two. He was the the number two pick. Uh, so, yeah, good good Lord. Wild. I can't think of another time with a quarterback that that has happened. You've only seen this happen a few times where there's a first-round bust of this level. Sure. Like, you've seen it with the number one pick here and there. Yeah. Uh, but I think overall – it really hasn't gone to this level where it's just completely no. deteriorated at this speed. That's the one thing about it. Usually you see quarterbacks really kind of struggle going into their later years, so to speak, uh, kind of like we talked about Baker Mayfield. Right. Albeit, though, he's found some resurgence with L.A. Yeah. But he's a prime example of somebody that really came in, had a big quick flash early, and then kind of faltered out and is taking a while to really f- figure his play out. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson's another one that, I mean, he's just fizzled, but he wasn't doing himself any favors in New York. And I think no. that the New York media, he is not built for. Oh, God, no. I don't. I, he listened to me. He's a career backup. The, listen, the, the numbers and whatever were great in college. But like we've said before, the level of play compared to what any other f- major college in, in college football is a night and day difference. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks great when he can throw a 70 yard bomb while rolling right and, and hitting a defender in the numbers when. There's zero pressure on him, and by zero pressure, I mean there's no defensive backs or cornerbacks or safeties coming down looking to take his head off. Mm-hmm. That, that looks all fine and sexy if you're fucking doing a YouTube highlight, you know, with with Skrillex playing in the background. Yeah, but in terms of like an actual NFL game, clearly he don't have it. No, he definitely doesn't. So for the Jets, will be moving forward, but it favors Miami a lot because they don't yeah. need that much to get in. No, uh, just the only thing now is how is Tua going to be? Ready to go. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Because if he's not ready to go, unfortunately, this team is going to fade out quick. It is what it is. I don't even know who their backup is. I'm going to look up their backup real quick. Uh, let's see. Duff chart for Miami Dolphins. We've got Tua Tagovailoa. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is their second string quarterback. Yeah. And, and if all else fails, Skylar Thompson is their third string quarterback. Yeah, we saw Teddy come in briefly during the one game there. Mm-hmm. Um, Skylar Thompson, uh, for those of you who don't know, a, a seventh-round draft pick from this uh, previous draft from Kansas State. Who knows? He could be the next Bach Purdy. <laughs> hey, listen, there's only one Mr. Relevant. This is true. This is very true. But taking a look at some of the other games here, mm-hmm. obviously the one that had to break some Giants' hearts. Probably. Because I think that it's officially done for them as far as the postseason is going. I think as far as Minnesota is concerned, they still prove they are the luckiest team in the league. You can't tell me otherwise. There's no way you can tell me this record that they have is not accurate. This, I'm sorry, you can't tell me that this is an accurate statement of how good this team is. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not. Pat, let's break this game down. So the Minnesota Vikings won by the final score of 27-24. to 24. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 34-48 for 299 yards passing. Couldn't get that one extra yard, could you, Kirk? Uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Danny Dimes, 30-42, uh, 334 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Saquon Barkley, your leading rusher for the Giants with uh, 14 carries, 84 yards, one touchdown. Dalvin Cook led for Minnesota with 14 carries, 64 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Justin Jefferson led Minnesota in receiving with 12 catches, 133 yards, one touchdown. Uh, And Richie James led for the Giants with eight catches, 90 yards, and no touchdowns. Yes, but the big takeaway from this is the Giants were defeated Mm -hmm. by a 61-yard field goal from Greg Joseph. Yeah. So, yet again, the narrative is 
Minnesota is winning these games by the skin of their teeth. Mm-hmm. The hair on their chinny chin chin. They are not impressing anybody with outside of the Minnesota area. Yeah, with what they have on this team. I'm and sorry, Paul Allen. Kirk Cousins is not an elite quarterback. No, he's serviceable. He's he's okay. You know, if 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 you got a fantasy team on on what and you need a quarterback because your starter got hurt and your other backup is absolute garbage. You know he'll get he'll get it done for you, but it, like, is he going to lead a team to it through the playoffs to the Super Bowl? Probably not. No, he's not going to be the guy. It's I'm sorry, it's it's just not going to happen. This team is too talented on offense to be struggling as bad as they are. Yeah, and Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the league. The fact that he's only getting 64 yards here is alarming because the trust giant... me, I have him on fantasy. I know. Yeah, Ugh. but the passing attack was locked and loaded there. T.J. Yeah. Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, both had big games. That's the only thing that's getting Kirk Cousins by here. But that defense is not doing them any favors, especially against a team that, other than Saquon Barkley, there's nobody on the Giants' offense that scares you. Nope. Nobody. Nope. So, wait, Isaiah Hodgins doesn't scare you? No. Darius Slayton? No. Daniel Bellinger? Who? Put some respect on Gary Brightwell's name. One <laughs> one carry, negative one yards. Oh, Jesus. That's the whole situation with the Giants. Is like They are just not established outside of Saquon. No. Danny... Danny Dimes is not the guy. Nope. I, and, I, and, like, listen, I know I said this last week. I'll say it again. Don't even try messaging and saying that he is on the same level as Josh Allen, that Dabble just needs another year with him. He's the guy. It's just a problem of the offensive line. Like, listen, you have a lot of woes mm-hmm. on this team. They need. They got a lot of work. They have a lot of work to do. The fact that the Giants are above 500 this late in the year. So it's a credit. It's a big win for Dabble. I'll give him that. Yeah. Him and Sheen are turning this team around. So they just need time to work. But this, unfortunately, is not happening. And I think every time that you have a game like this, you're seeing that the Giants are showing flashes Mm -hmm. of brilliance. Yeah. But you're not seeing what they're fully capable of. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I can see them. Would it be dumb? Yes. But I can see them giving Danny Dimes another year just because, hey, he had one only one year in Dabble's system give him another year and then if it doesn't work after that year goodbye you're out the door but in all honesty they should they should move on from him because you've seen the skills he's been he's been in new york long enough and he's been around the players long enough Mm -hmm. that there should be a repertoire and just this kind of like expectations between the players of like what the other one should do they should know the little ins and outs and their quirks and what they're thinking and whatnot but just clearly it's not there you know so should they get rid of him absolutely after this year? Absolutely. Whether it's through free agency or the draft or whatever, mm-hmm. get rid of the guy because he ain't it. No, he's definitely not it. And that's something that this team needs to think about. I mean, Brian Dabble, listen, if he can make some magic happen with Mitchell Trubisky, yeah. maybe that's somebody that should get as that, you know, in between quarterback from the next franchise. They're going to need to get somebody. And if they get Daniel Jones, if they want him to hang around for one more year, sure. What's Matt Flynn doing these days? No, that's a good question. (laughs) I can see him winding up in East Rutherford. It's one of those situations where the Giants need a lot of work, and the fact that they show these flashes of brilliance and yet find a way to lose in these clutch games, which they could have won this one outright and really had some momentum going for them heading towards the playoffs, they just dropped the ball yet again. Mm -hmm. And Minnesota gets by with a lucky kick. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me that this team is scaring anybody going into those playoffs. They're probably going to be the number two seed. They're still not scaring me. Heck, they could be the number one seed, and they wouldn't scare me. Right. 
that is what I think of this team. They're loaded on offense, but their defense can't shut anybody down. Uh-huh. And luck runs out. Yep. Uh, and you said the Giants hurt their playoff chances. Well, not so fast, my friend. Uh, from the tweets sent out by Adam Schefter, and this is for this upcoming week. So the New York Giants can clinch a playoff berth with the easiest one, a win. Win and they're in. And who do they got? Uh, they have the – I actually don't have that pulled up. Uh, they have – oh, wait, it's right here. Uh, they have the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, See, you would think that would be an easy win. There's about six other scenarios, though, so here, so bear with me. So they got win and they're in. The other scenario, second scenario is if they tie, Seattle loses or ties, and then if Washington loses or ties, they're in. Then there, there's like five other scenarios, but the simplest and easiest one is, hey, if they win this Sunday against the Colts, they're in. You know, there's a one with they, there's another, there's another two where they tie, and then there's one if Seattle loses and Washington loses, they're in. There's one where if Seattle loses, Detroit loses, and Green Bay loses or ties, they're in. And then if Washington loses, Detroit loses, and Green Bay loses, they're in. Like, it's a whole fucking thing. Simplest one, though, the win and they're in. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're going to need to do. And can they do this? Anybody's guess. Not to say it's impossible. Yeah. But I think this is something that this team needs a lot of work if they're going to take themselves seriously this year. But if they get in, that will attract some free agents to them next year. Like, that's, that's the big thing. But we mentioned before when everybody is already talking Super Bowl and oh God, yeah. Battle of New York and all that oh God, nonsense. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Everybody needed to pump brakes. Yep. They didn't do that. Now we're in a scenario where we have to really see what this team is made of. Yeah. But the fact they're losing games like this. It's not good. It's not good. It's and, not good. I, and I'm sorry if anybody's like, well, they lost the number, potential number two seed. This a, team, number, a number two seed that could get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is not a serious threat to anybody. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this. I know I'm going to get some angry DMs from Vikings fans, but still, prove me wrong. I'm waiting on it. Vikings have a differential, and that's the differential between their points scored and their points allowed, a plus five. Yeah. The only team worse than them in the points differential is, walking through these real quick, is the entire NFC South because, hey, that entire division is below zero. Uh, everybody else over plus five in terms of the division leaders. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's absolutely nothing to be scared about for them. I'm no. sorry. No. So this game, ugly game, nothing really too exciting to write about unless you're, of course, in fantasy football. Yeah. But yeah. what else can you say? So we mentioned the uh, Giants have the Colts this upcoming Sunday. Uh, their final game of the season is on the road in Philly playing the Eagles. Uh, and for the Minnesota Vikings, they have the Green Bay Packers this upcoming Sunday. That's in Green Bay. And then they have the Chicago Bears of the week after. That is in Chicago. Interesting time to see what the Vikings are made of. But like I say, I am not holding any breath nope. whatsoever. They'll make it in the playoffs because, hey, they're a division leader. But I do not see them getting past the first round. Yeah, definitely can't. So let's go to my leap that did not come through. And that's those Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Who had to go into Pittsburgh on a very emotional weekend? Yeah, Franco Harris unfortunately passed away earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, our deepest condolences out to his family, friends, and fans all over the world. A uh, Steelers legend, yeah, you know, to say the least. Penn State legend. Yep, and obviously, this was going to be an emotional weekend for the Steelers, and they came out to play. They Vegas was ready for him, so it's, yeah, don't yeah. don't get it wrong. This game was a lot better than I thought people were taking. They were thinking it was going to be. But we got a lot to break down with this one, Pat. Yeah, so the Steelers won by the final score of 13-10. to 10. Uh, Kenny Pickett, 26-39 for 244 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. 
Derek Carr, 16 of 30 for 174 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Josh Jacobs led Las Vegas in rushing with 15 carries, 44 yards, no touchdowns. Najee Harris led Pittsburgh in rushing with 16 carries, 53 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Pat Freemuth led Pittsburgh in receiving with seven catches, 66 yards, no touchdowns. And Darren Waller led uh, the Raiders in receiving with four catches, 58 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, I think it's official, not that we had any doubt of this before. Derek Carr needs to go. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sorry. He is not playing up to the potential. He's been given everything he can possibly need to be a successful quarterback with this team. This offense is loaded from top to bottom. So Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Keelan Cole, Darren Waller, Renfro. And then you got that defense. Yeah. Like, I think I can pull up the the spreadsheet I I did for when we did our uh, NFL preview segment. But I think you and I, except for Rich, had the Raiders wing the division and making it far. Yeah, well, that's the one thing with this team. They they were built to win this year. And they have not been able to pull it off no i know that mathematically they were in the playoff contention going into this but i think unfortunately now it's basically been ruled out i mean mathematically they're still in it because i'm looking i'm looking at the playoff standings on espn.com uh and so you go from one to the bottom and so you've got uh houston denver indy and cleveland are all eliminated uh the next team uh from the bottom to the top that isn't eliminated uh is the las vegas raiders Mm. Well, I mean, anything could happen, but I'm just sorry. From what I saw from this game, there really wasn't anything really to write home about. I mean, Vegas was up 10-3 at halftime and then gave up 10 unanswered in the fourth quarter. Kenny Pickett played solid, didn't play exactly bad, but he didn't play no. great either. I, I mean, it was also Colts fucking shit. Well, that's one thing, too, is he's got to get used to that playing in the Northeast. I mean, yeah, this is true. This is something that if you're not built to play in snow and cold weather, this is not going to be for you. And the game once te- in a generational storm. Yeah, yeah. The game temperature was awful for this game, and obviously, this is something that if you play Steelers football, you're used to this. And they did show up for this, and this was an emotional win, like we said, with Franco Harris passing away. Unfortunately, yeah. you knew this team was going to step up. They were going to be retiring his number at this game at regard. You know, before the game anyway. Every Pittsburgh passing. I mean, every Pittsburgh Steelers player came walking into the arena now, or the arena at the stadium. Now, normally there's guys in like various forms of clothing. Some are dressed to the nines in a nice suit, and a nice tie. Mm-hmm. Some guys are wearing like t-shirt and shorts, despite the fact it's thirty below zero. Some guys are in just kind of like, you know, nice pair of sweatpants, a nice hooded sweatshirt, you know, the hat, something crazy. Nah, all the Pittsburgh Steelers players, Franco Harris jerseys. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing about the Steelers culture they have. They really pay respects to their legends. And like I said, Harris's number was going to re- get retired. Only the third one in team history. Yep. And this was announced uh, long before his passing. Why, like before the season. Yeah, so the fact that he unfortunately passed and, yeah. and wasn't you know, there, he yeah. was there in spirit, and definitely this team showed out for him. They played their hearts out for him. And this is something that if you're a Steelers fan, I applaud them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know what, they really pay that much respect and gratitude towards those legends. So whenever you see, you see somebody's coming back to the stadium, they all get up for it. They all really make a big deal. And obviously, they wanted to pay tribute to Franco Harris, and they did a great job with that. You know who also took an L for this game, besides the Raiders? The NFL Network. Uh, I realized that, like, you got to pay the bills, and advertisements help you do that. But given the circumstances of, like, what was going on pregame, feel like you should have shown the pregame ceremonies rather than some advertisements. Because uh, from what I was reading online, 
uh, the game was on the NFL Network, mm-hmm. and, and they decided to run ads instead of showing the pregame ceremony oh, with, with Franco. Really? Harris. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, hey, NFL Network, uh, not a good move. No, definitely not. They should have just kind of swallowed some dollars. Yeah, and, I, I, I would. If, if I'm the advertising head of the NFL Network or whatever the job title would be, I'd be like, hey, listen, we're going to eat the loss and add dollars. We'll get you. We'll, you know, hey, companies, we'll give you a pro bono. Uh, ad spot somewhere else, you know, we'll eat the cost, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, we got to show this for the fans. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear about that till you oh, just yeah. said, oh, yeah. that's awful. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's bad on the NFL network, but kudos to the Steelers organization for being, you know, one of the classiest yeah, in the league. Absolutely. Uh, looking at the schedules for the remainder of the year, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers have the Baltimore Ravens this upcoming Sunday. Uh, that is in Baltimore on Sunday night football. Yeah. They got flexed. Yeah, it did. Uh, and then you've got them playing the Cleveland Browns at home to close out the regular season. And then for the Las Vegas Raiders, good Lord, uh, they play the San Francisco 49ers this upcoming Sunday. That is at home. And then they finish off the regular season at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to say this right now. I don't doubt the Raiders pulling that off against Kansas City. Kansas City's probably going to be sitting all of their starters at that uh, point. Not necessarily. If that number one seed's on the line... They are going to be playing starters. Well, that number one out there. Well, that number one seat could be decided uh, this weekend. Uh, so if if Buffalo wins, then Kansas City loses. Uh, right. Buffalo clinches home field advantage and the AFC's lone first round bye. So if Buffalo wins and Kansas City loses this weekend, Mahomes and everybody else in Kansas City are sitting next week. But if they both win, mm, true. Yeah. See, that's one. That's the one problem that is going to be facing both the Bills and the Chiefs. Next week's Monday night football game is very, very crucial, and that's the Bills versus the Bengals. Oh, yeah. And it's anybody's guess of what you're going to get out of both teams because both teams are playing at such a high level right now. It's going to be a true test. Mm -hmm. So that being said, if it comes down to it, Kansas City is going to try resting starters, but unless they lock up that uh, first number one overall seed in the AFC, They're not going to sit anybody. And the Raiders are going to be, literally be playing with house money because mm-hmm. what do they have to lose? Derek Carr knows he's probably gone at the end of the season. If he wants to make a play for playing somewhere next year, this is going to be a situation he's going to have to pop up and really do something special. And the Raiders have shown that they can beat the Chiefs. They have all the tools to do it. Well, it's funny we're talking about Derek Carr leaving. I was curious what his contract situation was. He is in the first year of a three-year, $121.5 million deal. Uh, this according to Spotrack.com. However, right after the 2022 season where it lists his age, base salary, and all the other pertinent financial information, there's a whole little thing. It says potential out, 2023, one-year, $25 million deal uh, with $5.625 million in dead cap space. So he could leave. It could happen. I'm whether, just, whether it's uh, he chooses to uh, to leave or the team does it, I don't know. Well, that that's going to be the mystery of mysteries. But I'm just saying this. If I have to make a bold prediction, I am saying that he is not there next season. I would agree with you, and I'm going to make an early prediction on where he ends up. I'll, I'll even give you two, two. Two potential spots where he could land. Uh, Carolina or Atlanta. Because who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? They need a quarterback. It, and so does Carolina. It would be a good landing spot. I mean, there's always Indianapolis. Yeah. For reasons. They, they, well, they, they do have a tendency to, to pick, you know, aging quarterbacks who are in the twilight of their career. 
Yeah, so, I mean, we'll have to wait and see dot, 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 but I think next year the Raiders might have a big shakeup. Probably. I don't know if Josh McDaniels will still be there at the end of the season. I would think so. You would think you so, would, you but, would think. but there's a name that's lurking in the coaching world. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. That allegedly, and we're taking this as strictly rumor, but it's yeah. a very noteworthy rumor, Yeah, that one Sean Payton mm-hmm. is planning on making a return and has kind of lightly put together a coaching staff. Yeah. Now, for what team, it's debatable. Well, there's going to be a few of them. There's one open position right now. Right. Denver fired their coach. Yep. No surprise there. But what would be the incentive for Sean Payton to come to the Raiders where you have Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, uh, Darren Waller, and you have a very, very solid defense with Max Crosby leading it? I mean, on paper, it's comparable to when he was in New Orleans. That's what I'm saying. Like, I know that Denver, let's run, has a lot more issues going on right now. The $235 million black hole. Yeah. So what's to say that that incentive is not there? Yeah. I mean, it's tough because I I think McDaniels has... Arizona might be an uh, open, open spot at the end of the year because yeah. there's, there, there's rumors that uh, King Cliff Kingsbury might step down at the end of the year. Oh, I think he's gone too. Yeah, so there, there's at least three open spots. There's too big of a disconnect between him and uh, the quarterback. Well, the quarterback needs to stop playing Call of Duty. Right. I mean, that's the one thing with uh, Murray. Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. But there's such a disconnect between Murray and Kingsbury. It's... Hashtag ODPHPod if you've seen Kyler Murray on Call of Duty this weekend. Yes. We just want to know. We we, we don't need tell, to know game tell, scores. Tell us his rank. Yeah. But that being said, McDaniels, I think, deserves another season. I would say so. At least one. At, at least maybe a half one. I mean, yeah. it was kind of yeah. one of the situations. I don't know if the team has dissolved that badly. I know he's made a couple calls, and I think we were screaming for his head last week. But in this kind of situation. Oh, I was. Oh, yeah. Well, I know you were, but I was. that's a different story. Not You know, they got by with a good lateral. But moving forward, though, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a question. I think, if, but if you got rid of McDaniel's for Peyton, that's a huge upgrade. Oh, absolutely. So I think the Raiders have to look at that and really get the test of you know what Sean Payton wants to do. Because I tell you what, he's got an offense ready to win now. He just needs a quarterback. Yeah. And if you see Sean Payton is coming to your team, oh yeah, you're gonna try telling me if you're not a if you're a quarterback that's kind of on the fence if you want to stay with your team or not, and you can have a chance to start in that offense. Yeah. I'm just saying something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. So shall we go to the last leap, and then we'll take the tour around the league pad? Sure. So the last game we're going to talk about uh, for our locks and leaps was the San Francisco Niners taking on the Washington Commanders, where you had the 49ers emerge victorious by the final score of 37-20. to 20. Patrick, excuse me, Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant, uh, the GOAT, 15 of 22 for 234 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Taylor Henneke, uh, 13 of 18 for 166 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Carson Wentz also got some noteworthy time in uh, with 12 of 16, 123 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Brian Robinson Jr. led Washington in rushing with 22 carries, 58 yards, no touchdowns. Ray Ray McLeod third led, wow, goddamn, led San Francisco in rushing with one carry, 71 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was the other noteworthy rusher, 15 carries. 46 yards, one touchdown. Uh, George Kittle, have a fucking game, and especially for me in my fantasy semifinal game. Uh, six catches, 120 yards, two touchdowns. 
Uh, Terry McLaurin led Washington in receiving with four catches, 77 yards, and one touchdown. Well, the situation here is the 49ers might be the uncrowned number one seed in the NFC. That's possible. They might be. I don't think there's any way you can take it away from them. I think that they have gone out of their way to really step it up since they got Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. And then the situation after that becomes, okay, where are we going here with our quarterback situation and Brock Purdy? Yeah. And I think that that is one that we have to just sit there and applaud that the job that the 49ers front offense office has done yeah. has made this offense into something special. And I think that it's one that if you have to face them in the playoffs, I don't like your chances because this team is finally clicking. Mm-hmm. Purdy is not afraid to go score some points. He's no. taking some chances. It kind of reminds me in a weird sense of a little Aaron Rodgers. Mm. A little bit. Mm. Now, I'm not saying you know the second coming by any means, but I'm saying it's enough that you definitely got to pay attention to him because he's playing smart. He's definitely leading this offense. He's got them clicking. The fact that George Kittle has now got a resurgence, <coughs> huge. Yeah. And I think the, for what this team needs to go forward, they definitely are stepping in the right direction. As for Washington, it's a tough break, but Washington has wasn't expected to do much this season anyway. No, absolutely not. But I will say this. I know it's been making the rounds on social media, but kudos to Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Washington uh, Commanders. Uh-huh. The announcement of Jeremy Reeves as the Pro Bowl uh, special teams oh, starter. Okay. If you haven't seen the video, okay. it is it just you know the amount of emotion pouring out and how Reeves' teammates got behind him and really were you know yeah. getting him, uh, excited about the game. Nice. I'll, yeah, I'll see if I can share the video on social media, but it, it was a real heartwarming moment, and I really like what Rivera has done with this team because even though they're not great, mm-hmm. They're still playing hard for yeah. it. You know, and that's something that I hope Rivera does get another chance with this team. Oh, I do too. But he needs to get some free agents in there and really do something different with that offense. I'll say he's got he's got a great running back in Brian Robinson Jr. He's got a great receiver in Terry McLaurin. You know, you, yeah. just, you just get a halfway decent quarterback and then maybe some a couple other lesser piece wide receivers, maybe another running back just to feature against Brian Robinson. You get some pieces on defense. You're looking pretty damn good. Yeah, no, they could definitely make some noise in the NFC East next year. But I think for now, unfortunately, I know that they're still mathematically in the playoffs. They I just, need a lot of help. They just need a lot of help. Uh, so they can clinch a playoff berth this weekend against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, if they win, plus Seattle loses, plus Detroit loses, plus Green Bay loses or ties. Yeah. So they can win, just they need like three other scenarios to happen. It needs to be something crazy to pull it off, but it's not to say it's unheard of. Like that's the one cra- yeah. that's the one thing about yeah. this. And that's kind of how we're gonna be wrapping up with just the locks and leaps portion. Every game on here really mattered, and everyone has either really increased their chances or really kind of signed off on them. Yeah. The 49ers are really making some noise of being the true number one seed. Uh, currently on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight game winning streak. Yeah, they're on fire right now. Uh, they beat the Rams, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Saints, the Dolphins, the Bucks, the Seahawks, the Commanders, uh, the Rate, and uh, that's actually the last one. Yeah. Oh, and they also beat. Uh, yeah, the, I said the Rams. So it's a one t- thing to get hot at the right time, and they're definitely clicking. You almost wonder if they want to just have a loss before they go in because otherwise that's a heck of a win streak to try going into the playoffs with. Yeah. Not saying they would try throwing a game, mind you, but it's something that 
you'll start hearing the pressure of like how much they've won in a row, and that, that well, does take a toll on teams. If they do lose next week, kind of going to be a little suspicious. Oh, they're playing the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that happening. That will be. I will say this: that'll probably be the most hard-hitting game of the weekend. Probably. Uh, currently, as we record, San Francisco is a six-point favorite. Makes sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't really struggle with that one too much. Yeah. And then for Washington, well, they're in a weird position in their own right. Yeah, so for the 49ers, I mentioned they have the Raiders this upcoming Sunday. Then they have the Arizona Cardinals to close out the regular season. That is a home game. And then for the Washington Commanders, they have the Cleveland Browns, as I mentioned, this upcoming Sunday. That is at home. Uh, and then the following week, in the last week of the regular season, they have a home game against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, so anything is possible, but I think it's not really in the cards for the Commanders. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. So that said, Pat, let's take a quick lap around the league and sign off on this segment. Yeah, so uh, the Thursday night game was between the Jacksonville Jaguars, who defeated the New York Jets 19-3. to Well, I think without a shadow of the doubt, uh, Zach Wilson is gone. Uh, he, he's real bad. He is real bad. 9 of 18, 92 yards passing, zero touchdowns, one interception. And for everybody keeping track at home, Christian Kirk, three receptions, 22 yards. Well, also had one carry for four yards rushing. Mm-hmm. The franchise. Yeah. So Jacksonville gets a big win. They might win the AFC South by default. Yeah, maybe. For reasons. I mean, hey, it's not the NFC South. No, it's definitely not. The Jets, unfortunately, I think their season is a wrap. Oh, well, it's it, not officially, but this does not help. Yeah. Uh, you had the Buffalo Bills beat the Chicago Bears 35-13. to 13. So, great win for the Bills. Ugly start to the game. Sure. Because Chicago ran right down the field on them. Which we figured they would. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they took it to them. And uh, obviously, one thing that has been jumping out lately, and I know I haven't made a big deal about that on here, is the loss of Micah Hyde. Mm, I've heard that mentioned a couple of, a couple of minutes of Bills games I've caught. Yeah, and I think it was glaring during the opening drive of this, season, or this game and during the game, too, as well. Like, Sure. Him and Poyer play off each other too much that Poyer is getting burnt mm, on a couple of coverage routes. Okay. That... It's just it's not clicking like he's just not hearing the information coming back to him about like what the defense is, or offense is switching up at the line mm-hmm. because that opening touchdown there was nobody in sight mm. of the receiver that caught it for him uh, Pettis right nobody was near him so the Bills got back on track though Singletary hundred yard rushing game hey finally happened James Cook ninety nine yards rushing so that's a big win. Offense definitely was clicking in the right direction, so big win for the Bills. Noteworthy stat, though, Nathan Peterman, 3-for-5, 25 yards. Hey, congratulations, Buffalo. That's your first 100-yard rusher of the season. Yes. So, like I say, Peterman makes an appearance for the Bears, throws an interception. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. We had to say that. But the Bills are sitting in the driver's seat. Obviously, big game Monday night against the Bengals, so definitely we'll be talking about that next week. Next up, you had the New Orleans Saints beat the Cleveland Browns seventeen to ten. Ugly game. Yeah, nothing really to write home about this one. Andy Dalton though yeah. gets the big win, so I'm not mad about that. And then the Browns, well, better right. luck next season. Yeah, uh, you had the Cincinnati Bengals beat the New England Patriots twenty-two to eighteen. Yeah, this went about the way I thought it would. Yeah, I, I'm surprised the score was cl- as close as it was. But well, I will. put it to this way, I did not even keep track of the game because I'm like, yeah, they're gonna this well the thing about the Bengals is they're arguably the hottest team in football right now yes so you knew they're coming out and i will say this they understand the temp in the room 
They understand they need to win outright if they want to make a deep run for the playoffs and possibly get the number one seed by whatever you know weird yeah. mathematical thing they can do. Yeah, it could make a lot of sense, you know, for them to just keep winning and really prove the people that they weren't a fluke last year. Mm-hmm. The Patriots are still the Patriots. Belichick is still running that defense. So this was a good test for Burrow and company to see how they stood up. Uh, I didn't really like the Burrow stat line. Had two interceptions with it, but it right. is what it is. Right. You know, not complaining about it. And we just kind of have to see how it plays out from here. But solid win for the Bengals heading into Monday night. I maintain Matt Patricia got to go. Yeah. Uh, at least if not go completely, go back to coaching uh, coaching defenses. Joe Judge got to go. And if the rumor that I've heard at least the last two weeks is Bill Bill O'Brien might be coming back for offensive coordinator, it's better than what they fucking got. Yeah, they need a lot of help. Just saying. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Uh, you had next up. You had the Carolina Panthers beat the Detroit Lions, oh, thirty-seven to twenty-three. This hurts. This hurts bad, because you know what? Detroit had all the, the momentum to somehow sneak in. Yeah. And I think the playoffs are out the window now. Which, no, which they're not out yet. They're not out yet. But I think for Dan Campbell, like I'm hoping he comes back next season. I really do because I think this team is playing so hard for him. So they're currently the nine seed. So there aren't any scenarios that they can clinch this weekend. But yeah, you know, they're still in it for next weekend. It's gonna happen. Yeah, uh, you had the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I almost forgot the team name there. Uh, beat the Atlanta Falcons by the final score of seventeen to nine. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta took a loss, five yeah. and ten. Yeah, they did. And the our rumor is next week Lamar Jackson might be back for hey. Sunday Night Football. So hey. stay tuned for that. Uh, you had the Tennessee, or excuse me, the Houston Texans beat the Tennessee Titans nineteen to fourteen. Bad loss for Tennessee. Oh Jesus! Bad loss. Jesus. Oh, that's all we're gonna say about that one. No. Uh, next up is the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles by the final score of 40 to 34. Wow. All I'm going to say about this. Wow. This game was one Dallas stepped up for. Yeah. And it's crazy to think the scenario if Jalen Hurts had played. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to take away. Like it's yeah. nothing against Dallas winning because we always say division always steps up for division. So, I we have to take that into factor. Gardner Minshew played his ass off. Three hundred and fifty-five yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Devontae Smith had one hundred and thirteen yards receiving. AJ Brown had one hundred and three yards receiving. Dallas uh, Goder had sixty-seven yards receiving. Yeah, with Gardner Minshew throwing passes. Yeah, so it was one of those situations where Dallas stepped up at the right time. Albeit though, if if Minshew was dicing you up. Yeah, as bad as he was, I don't know how comfortable I would be feeling about the playoffs right now. I'm just saying, just would not be really feeling that good about it. But nevertheless, it's a good win for Dallas and really throws a little curveball into that number one seed for Philly. Yes. Next up. Uh, next up is the uh, L.A. Rams beat the the Denver Broncos uh, by the final score of 51 to 14. This one hurt, Pat. Oh, Jesus Christ. This one hurt, but you know why it hurt? I went up against somebody I was winning in fantasy football against. Uh-huh. And they had one player left. Yeah. You know who that player was? Oh, I'm eyeballing some stat lines. Camp, uh, Jerry Judy? No. Oh. Tyler Higby. Oh, okay. Nine catches, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. When has he done this this entire season? Uh, probably never. That knocked me out of my championship game. Hey, yikes. I'm bitter. I'm so, so bitter. It's not even funny. 
And the only thing to take away from this game is the Broncos head coach was fired after this game. Yep. So, obviously, we heard rumblings it was going to be coming. Yep. This was such an embarrassing loss. I, I and, yeah. and the sad thing is you're seeing that the uh, quote-unquote inmates are running the asylum. When the backup quarterback is fighting the offensive line, yeah. as it was shown, yeah. you know that there is a problem with this team. And There's a disconnect. There's a big disconnect, and I think for the Broncos, they needed to do this. Mm-hmm. There's no question in my mind about this. I hate seeing people get fired, but this is a situation we knew it was coming. Oh, I did too. So... Is what it is there. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Arizona Cardinals by the final score of 19-16 to 16 in overtime. So this game was not fun to watch. It was kind of garbage. It was garbage, and if it wasn't for a late fumble, like yeah. real late, yeah. like I sat there and said, this just, this just looks weird to me. Just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, we go to overtime and Tom Brady pulls off some Tom Brady magic. Yeah, like I say, it just it looked weird to me. I I couldn't get that down with it. It's just like just like it just it's too much of a storybook feel to it. Like I say, and, and I'm sure the Arizona got super excited that they were going to take one on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that they got a little overzealous and it's just a careless error. But man, it just had that storybook Hollywood feel to it. Yeah. I just hate that. Although it sounds like uh, Tampa Bay might have some bigger issues at hand, though, uh, because in a tweet that was posted after the overtime uh, victory, Leonard Fournette posted something and then deleted it, uh, revealing he's dealing with a Liz Frank injury. Oh, no. So he said, quote, uh, I hate when people be on here just talking, saying I'm out of shape, etc. Uh, do y'all understand I'm playing with a Liz Frank in my foot every week, can barely push off my foot, but though... Uh, through the grace of God, I'm I'm going to keep moving. Y'all wrong. Hashtag Bucks win. Close quote. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the number of people that uh, knew he had a list break injury, uh, however many people work in the Buccaneers organization. Yeah. Like I say, the the Bucks just have this weird aura around them. Just my opinion. Like I said, too, no, much, too right. many things too many things fall in their favor. My opinion. You say, hey, the entire division sub 500. Yeah. So. Is what is there, but and then there was the Monday night game, if you want to call it a game. Yeah, it was between the Chargers and the Colts, where the Colts won by the final score of twenty to three. Although no one's talking about that, everyone's talking about the vicious hit that knocked the one player out during the game. Fucking Christ! Ow. Yeah, this game was just atrocious. It was hot garbage. Yep. Of course, when I need Justin Herbert to score for fantasy football, he doesn't. Uh, Two thirty-five, no touchdowns. Nope. Austin Eckler though. Austin Eckler, where the hell are you? There you are. 18 carries, 67 yards, two scores. Yep. Had to go up against somebody against facing him. Hey. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, it was just a rough one, but the Chargers now have gotten into the playoffs. Yeah. Which, you know what? I'm not even worried about them because of the Chargers. And if they are supposed to win, they will not win. So you're supposed to win in the playoffs, you just won't. This is how it kind of shapes up. Real crazy scenario coming out of the NFL this week, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about week 16 of the NFL, and how is your team shaping up with two weeks left? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. 
Coming back for another segment on this special edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk a little pro wrestling. Yeah. So one major event is happening this week in the WWE. Yep. That is noteworthy because otherwise it's a very, very quiet week in the major pro wrestling federations. The Indies have got a big weekend going on. AIW is doing some big things. GCW has a big weekend in Atlantic City Mm -hmm. uh, going New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. And New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be having Wrestle Kingdom kickoff. Yep. So we were talking about that on 607 TWS. But one thing is going on this Friday that definitely caught our attention. Yeah. And that is the one and only John Cena is returning to the ring to keep his streak up of 20 years wrestling in the WWE. Yeah. How crazy of a stat is that? That's wild to think of, especially with, you know, he hasn't been necessarily a full-time guy in maybe about four or five years now. Quite a few years now. It's been a full few years, but, like, he's still so ingrained with everything over there that, like, you think WWE, he comes to mind and just, like, hustle, to relax, you know, all that. But, like, yeah, he hasn't been full-time there or there every week or regularly in a number of years. But the fact that the streak, you know, the the new streak, you know, is alive at 20 years of wrestling matches with WWE is wild, especially in this day and age with injuries and how long they're out and this and that. So the fact that he's been able to keep the streak going is a testament to just how healthy he is. Well, it's one thing to know about John Cena is that since his debut in the WWE, he has been a franchise guy. Like once he finally found his groove. Because I know when his ruthless aggression character did not pan out. Yeah. And by literal chance, his Doctor of Thugonomics character evolved after making a rap on a uh, tour bus that mm-hmm. he was on. Yeah. To elevating him to superstar status and being literally the face that runs the place for WWE for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And being the franchise guy that when he finally had started to take a step back, he rolled his success into the movie industry. He's oh, yeah. Now, is he on the rock level? No. Someday. Someday. He, he'll be there someday. He, he arguably will be. But the one thing about him is he definitely has taken the acting seriously. Yeah. And been in some very, very noteworthy movies. Uh, more importantly to the ODPH, Suicide Squad. Yeah, he was in the end uh, Peacemaker. Yes, so he definitely is playing a big role in the James Gunn uh, DC universe that is yeah. being built. Yep. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We've heard rumors of him being in other things, but we're only going to take that as rumors for now. Yeah. But he has also been such an ambassador for the WWE, especially with all the time and energy he gives to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I believe that he is the record holder for the most wishes granted. Oh, and it's not even close. Yeah, exactly. So kudos to him for that. So the fact that he still comes back to WWE to do some wrestling here and there is truly a testament to him. And this Friday, he is going to be tagging up with Kevin Owens to take on Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns in a tag match to keep that streak going and also enhance the best storyline in all of pro wrestling, and that's Sami Zayn and the Bloodline. Yeah. And obviously, heading into Royal Rumble season, you're going to see WWE really kicking the high gear with Triple H and what they're doing over there as well. So it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan, and it's a fun time to acknowledge this moment happening because Cena will pop in once a year, but still, yeah. it's still memorable when he does because yeah. he's still a needle mover. He's still somebody that comes in and makes an immediate impact. 
even if it's for just a short appearance, just to say hi. Yeah, uh, and you brought up the Make-A-Wish thing. I dug up the article. Uh, so this is from NPR, and this is dated September 27th of 2022. Uh, the headline is, John Cena sets a new Guinness World Record by granting 650 Make-A-Wish uh, make wish wishes. Uh, so the article says, uh, John Cena has set a new record, and it didn't happen in the wrestling ring. The Guinness Book of World Records recognized the actor and WWE superstar for the most wishes granted through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, coming in at 650. Uh, so the article goes on you know, about him and the statement from uh, the Guinness World Records, which reads in part, quote, We're thrilled to celebrate John Cena and his involvement with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, the Guinness Book of World Records told NPR in a statement. Uh, in 2015, Cena fulfilled his 500th wish. Uh, I can't say enough how cool it is to see the kids so happy and their family so happy. I truly want to show them that it's their day, he t- said in a video produced for WWE's YouTube channel. I just drop everything. I don't care what I'm doing. Close quote. Uh, Make-A-Wish added in a statement that John Cena is the most requested celebrity and that no one except for Cena has ever granted more than 200 wishes in the foundation's history. Yeah. So, it, like I said, it's not even close. It's absolutely insane to think he, he's been able to pull this off of the crazy schedule that he does with oh his media events in WWE. Yeah. But it's a testament to how much he really cares about doing that cause and salute to him. Just like, honestly, the highest amount of praise because that is not an easy task to do. No. And he has been able to pull this off and really stand in a class on his own. Yeah. So to see him actually close out WWE's year is a very, very big deal. Yeah. And that kind of leads us to our other half of our pro wrestling topic here today because on our fellow 607 podcast show, 607 TWS, the wrestling show, there is an award show that it goes on. Yep. And it's our annual one that we run, Rich from 3FN and myself, and it is the Brodies. And to give a little background about that is in honor of the late wrestler Brody Lee, who Rich knew personally from his time in the Indies. So when he unfortunately had passed, Rich came up with the idea about renaming the annual wrestling award show in his honor. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're going to take the time now to highlight the categories. And this year we did something kind of a little extra fun. Yeah. We put the voting out to you, the ODPH Society, the 3FN Nation, the wrestling community to get involved and make your voice heard. So... Pad, why don't you walk us through how to get to the ballot, and then let's start reading off the categories, and I want to hear your picks, Pad. So to get to the ballot, all you need to do is go to odphpodcast.com. That's our website. And then without even scrolling, you can see the damn thing. But if you want (laughs) want to see all the categories, just scroll down just a little bit on the left-hand side uh, underneath the ticker with uh, with what we talk about, and then the Patreon link uh, is the link uh, with a little little image link uh, to the 2022 607 TWS Brody's Award category. So what you do? You click on that, brings you to this handy dandy Google Doc where all you need to do is you put in your email uh, and then you go through each of the categories, which I'll read off in just a second, and you submit your uh, picks for those categories. Mm-hmm. And it gets sent to you know the guys over at 607TWS. They'll go through and then they'll read the picks uh, on the first episode of the new year mm-hmm. uh, and then the, the winners will be determined there. Yes. Uh, so some of the category, well, so not some. All well, here, well, let's break down the categories because, Pat, yeah. like I said, I want to get your picks here because sure. you can kind of guide people on, like, maybe some ideas, you know, in case they're thinking. Because there's been a lot of great pro wrestling this year. And this doesn't have to be limited to WWE, AEW, Impact, New Japan, you know, GCW. This can be this can be anything. You can have a local fed that, like, if, if the match is online, you know, you can say, hey, I saw I saw this person versus that person, you know, on this. man. it was a great fucking match. Mm-hmm. 
You can definitely do that. So let's start from the bottom on yeah. the form because that is the first category is breakout superstar of the year. I'm going to say Logan Paul. Just because, really? Okay. Just because there have been other good ones for during the year. But just the fact that he's had two matches this year, his first two matches in professional wrestling that we know of. He might have had some backyard stuff or whatever. But like in terms of televised wrestling, he's had two matches this year. He had the, he had the one at WrestleMania. Uh, with the Miz, and then he had the one at uh, SummerSlam, mm-hmm. which the fact that he was as good as he is is astounding to me. That that like I I think everybody has the te- potential to do it. It's just how much you want to commit to it, and how much time you want to put into it, and just you know who you what avenues you have to access you know teachers and, and knowledge and what have you. You know that certainly affects it. But the fact that he was able to put on such great match. Now I'm not going to say they're the the greatest matches of all time. My God, no, hundred stars, even if it's not in the Tokyo Dome. But like they're really fucking good matches, all things considered. Yeah, absolutely. Breakout star of the year can go for anybody that's really had the breakout moment this year and really stepped their game up and really elevated themselves from where they were last year to this year. And my pick is unfortunately. Uh, not with the company right now, mm-hmm. but my pick was Mandy Rose. Oh, and what I mean by this is when she was sent back to NXT, there was a lot of confusion about what was going on because obviously this is the start of NXT 2.0. Yep, and then she won the world title down there. And since that point, she has elevated her game in the ring to where prior to the whole fan time drama that has expired. Yeah. She was on the way to becoming a main eventer on the main roster when she returned. And I fully think that we were expecting to see her night after WrestleMania. Probably. So I'm going to say for the body of work that happened in the ring, I thought that she definitely had the breakout star of the year award locked up. But that's just our picks about this. See, that's why you can go hit on the forum and choose your pick. Who do you think really stood out this year? Who do you think really made a dent in the pro wrestling community's eyes about their work in the ring. Yeah. So that's always an interesting one. Pat, what's up next? Uh, next up is the WTF moment of the year. And this necessarily is this. This is kind of like a wide ranging category because this is just a moment or something that happened in the pro wrestling world that made you go, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, and for me, it, it, it was a shocked what the fuck. It was the whole Vince McMahon story Mm -hmm. just because i was convinced much in the same way you know with the joe paterno story like i thought when joe paterno was coaching penn state i thought he wouldn't retire until he died you know and uh, vince i thought the same thing i thought he wouldn't let go of that company until we woke up one morning and it was trending on twitter that he had passed away so the fact that everything went down with what it did this past summer and that it led to him you know and and all the tongue-in-cheek appearances on on raw and smackdown during the kind of like once everything broke from the wall street journal about the hush payments and what have you to him appearing on tongue-in-cheek on smackdown raw basically like i'm not going anywhere we're now forever and family and all all that stuff that like i I genuinely had no idea what was going on and just i was just sitting there going what the actual fuck is happening and and to get to the point where he stepped down and was no longer CEO and or in control of the company. I that to, to me was genuinely the what the fuck. I never thought I'd see this. Yeah, I could definitely be in contention for this year's one. Uh, 
I'm going to throw you this one now. Best moment of the year. So what moment in the WWE, AEW, NXT, GCW, what moment in pro wrestling stood out to you as saying this was 2022? It's a, see, for me, it's a tie. And they're both from WrestleMania between Stone Cold coming back. Because, like I've said before, I didn't get into pro wrestling until WrestleMania 30. I knew who Stone Cold was. How the hell could you not in the 90s? But I never, my parents didn't let me watch wrestling, so I never got to see any of his stuff live. I've seen some of it now going back through the pay-per-views on the Peacock and what have you. But to, to see Stone Cold come back after so many years and all the injuries and whatnot and have a good, have a great match, mm-hmm. all things considered. And obviously the dance partner helps, but Stone Cold put on a hell of a match. So that's that's like a 1A. The 1B for me is Cody coming mm. back to WWE just because I never even entertained the idea of him switching companies despite all the backstage politics and all the backstage nonsense. Cody coming back to me was an incredible moment just because there was I'll always have the the memory of him coming back and going, "Oh my god, it's it's true." But then just the build up of the rumors and the and the speculation and watching Raw, despite it being bad at that point, and, and tuning in at the open, tuning in at 9, tuning in at 10.30, you know, just to see if he'd appear or make an appearance or there'd be a reference or, or a hint as to what was going on. So for me, it's kind of a tie. That's fair. Next up, we're going to the tag team match of the year. Like, we actually, at 607 TWS, give a lot of focus to tag team wrestling. Yeah. So we always say, okay, what's the match of the year? And then what's the tag team of the year? So, Pad, for you... What is your tag team match of the year? Boy, I, I what, what did you what do you think? See, this year was very tough. Yeah, it is because there's a lot going on in all the federations for the most part. You have to give a lot of consideration to Ring of Honor slash AEW for the Briscoes versus FTR. Yeah, you have to take a look at FTR versus Aussie Open, which was over. Uh, in not in the United States, which that one garnered so much internet buzz, it wasn't even funny. You have to take a look too at the Usos and what they've done this year. And obviously, there's been a strong contender which came in late of the New Day and Pretty Deadly from yeah. NXT. So you kind of have to really sit back and kind of think, okay, which one stands out to you? And like for me, there's so many of them. I still haven't made my vote yet. Yeah. Like that's that's where it is. But I will say this in tag teams wrestling there's been so many great matches yeah that you have to just acknowledge that for me it's it's hard to pick one but if i had to pick one i'd have to go with uh the brawling brutes taking on imperium at, at extreme rules that was the, the good old-fashioned donnybrook match that was good fucking christ i had no idea what to expect with this just because i'd never seen an old-fashioned donnybrook match i want to see more yeah like holy shit that was awesome and then the next category up is tag team of the year Listen, I mean, you got to give it to the ones they, you know, I'm skewing very heavily here because my views on AEW are noted, but no disrespect to any of the other teams, but I, you got to give it to the ones who have been down since day one ish that just they broke the record for the longest held tag team reign in WWE history. Usos, just the body work. I cannot think of with this whole bloodline run a bad match they've had. Not all the varying degrees of good, but like they've all been good. I can't think of an Usos match where I went. Yeah, that wasn't that good, you know, with with this current run they've been doing. Yeah, I think you have to take a look. You have to take a real hard look at the Usos. You got to take a look at FTR and what they've done in AEW. Well, I shouldn't say AEW. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, bum, 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 bum. But what you've seen, what they've done in New Japan and Ring of Honor, where they've really had the standout moments, and 
Triple uh, A as well. Like they're they have definitely made their landscape known throughout 2022. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you also have to think some other teams too. The Briscoes had a great year. The GCW tag team scene has been on fire as well. And you know you have to even give a, a shout out to a degree to the acclaimed in yeah. AEW. Like they they have been gaining some votes. I'm just going to put that out there as well too. So that's the one thing with tag team wrestling. It's it's tough to nail down, but yeah. I'm sure. If you really sit back and think about it, there's there's a few teams that are really standing out that are really going to cause a lot of interest when it comes time to get the award this year okay. for Tag Team of the Year. Next category up, though, uh, is Female Wrestler of the Year. And much like you had for Breakout Star of the Year, I'm putting uh, Mandy Rose in the uh, Female Wrestler of the Year just because I think the body of work she put on and, and especially reinventing herself from what she was when she debuted on the main roster. Because if I remember right, I don't think she was in NXT for very long, if if at all. You know, her initial run. Um, hashtag ODPHPod, correct us. Yeah, correct, I'm, correct I'm trying to remember that too. Um, but the fact that, you know, from where she came on the main roster and just how they were booking her and presenting her to going back to NXT, reinventing herself. Because it wasn't necessarily a full revamp of like changing the look and the face and the gimmick and the this and that. It was still more of the same. But it was just with like kind of like a sharper edge to it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it paid dividends for her. It made it made some great work. You made me actually want to watch her matches. I mean, prior to that, I really like Mandy Rose came on. I'll be honest. I was going up to get a snack or run into the bathroom. I just didn't care. But Mandy Rose came on with NXT and, and had that run, especially with with toxic attraction. Must see TV. Oh, absolutely. No, there, there's so many qualified contenders for this. I mean, it's still anybody's guess of who's going to come out with the belt or the award this year. I should say for that. Yeah. Next up, though, is Male Wrestler of the Year. I mean, listen, there's only one choice for this, and I am acknowledging the Tribal Chief, and that is Roman Reigns. Just because, again, he hasn't worked every show this year. He hasn't worked all the pay-per-views this year, but just the body of work he's put on has been awesome, and and much in the same way of the Usos. You know, have I watched a Roman match and going, that was fucking awful? No. Every match I've seen with Roman in it this year has been phenomenal. Well, you have to think back to this year. He has definitely taken this whole bloodline storyline and raised it up a couple levels. Yeah. Albeit, though, it did get a nice uh, shot of adrenaline via Sami Zayn's involvement, oh, yeah. and he's definitely stepped his game up there as well. Roman is definitely one of the candidates you have to keep an eye out for, but there's so many, too, from New Japan and GCW that really is going to get thrown in the mix. Like, literally, it's still going to be anybody's pick, though, for who's going to come away with this year's Brody. Yeah. Next up is the event slash wrestling card of the year. So was there a pay-per-view? Was there a a whole show from top to bottom that stood out to you that you go, man, that was a card? All out this year. No, I'm kidding. Wow. Um, Wow. No, I'm going to say SummerSlam from this year. Just And again, my picks are going to skew heavy WWE. That's why to watch. Um, No, I'm going to say SummerSlam just because SummerSlam is already one of the better cards they put on year in and year out. But the added intrigue and in, in interest with this was going into this was this was the first pay-per-view premium live event, whatever you want to call it, in like 40 plus years, whatever it ends up being, without Vince McMahon running things. Mm-hmm. And the interest and the intrigue as to what the hell was going to happen and what was this going to look like was through the roof. I remember because this took place on, on July 30th. I was out someplace with my girlfriend, Liz. I was like, hey, I want I want to watch SummerSlam tonight. Like, I was like, I normally I would because there it was on a Saturday. I was like, normally I wouldn't care, and I just watch till Sunday. But I'm like, given everything that's been going on the last couple of months, there I got a lot of interest in what's going to happen with this. So we made sure to get back in time for the start of this, 
and it and it wasted no time you know with with just how crazy it was going to be and just what we were on on pace for because you opened up with bianca belair taking on becky lynch for the raw women's championship Mm -hmm. and you had bianca retain but then from the outset you know so this is after the intros and all this other stuff but you have bailey come back after a year and then dakota kai who was to what we knew at the time was was a free agent wasn't necessarily going anywhere and eo shirai who's whose contractual status was up in the air. But so you go from that great match to, hey, we're interdu- we're bringing back Bailey and she's bringing in Dakota Kai and Io Shirai, Io Sky now, but, you know, Io, Io Shirai. Then you have, you know, the, uh, the match with Logan Paul and The Miz and, and Bobby Lashley in theory, which was not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it was pretty good. You know, you had the Mysterios taking on the Judgment Day, which was which was fun to watch. Pat McAfee taking on Happy Corbin and McAfee. And if you haven't heard his story about this matchup, dig up the clip for from his YouTube uh, show from uh, August. He he talked about it and how extensively he worked on it. You know, you had the Usos taking on the Street Profits in a great match. You know, Jeff with Jeff Jarrett as the special guest referee. You know, Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey with Liv defeating Ronda, which I don't think anybody saw coming. Yeah, and then just the batshit insanity that was Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. You know, with Brock coming in on a tractor and then standing in the thing while the the digging part of the tractor is up in the air. And then at the end of the, towards the end of the match, lifting the ring up in the air and spilling Roman and, and the ref out into the uh, timekeepers area. Yeah. Like that, that car just top to bottom was insane. Yeah, that is one that definitely sticks out to me. I mean, there's so many good ones, too. That's really going to it's going to be tough to determine a winner. Uh, this one, but wrestling in a whole was really just stepping its game up all mm-hmm. over the place. So it's definitely a lot to be excited about. And it all comes down to the next category too, Pad. Yeah. Uh, that is promotion of the year. And listen, it's no surprise. I'm going to give it to WWE. It's no disrespect to the other folks, but I think you just look at where they came from. And let's face it, they had not been good the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been taking steps back and sliding a little bit and, and stumbling but you just look at it from everything of where they started to where they ended. It has become must-watch TV. I've all of a sudden, you know, because the last couple of years, you know, I wouldn't necessarily watch. I'd tune in at 8 o'clock when the show started just to see that opening segment, come back at 9 o'clock just because I think that's when something big might happen, and then see what the and then watch the main event. And all the in-between stuff I'd catch on YouTube. Once you had the Triple H take over and after SummerSlam, I, you know, because during that time I'd play video games, I'd watch a movie, I'd watch a show, whatever else, I'd, but I'd keep a passive eye on it. You know, once Triple H took over and started running the show and booking and all this other stuff, I put everything else to the side and I make sure I'm on my couch in front of my TV on Monday nights. Yeah, this one is going to be, I will say, probably the most contested one that we do this year for the Brodies. I really do. It's nothing against the you know, other promotions. But I think this one is really going to be the one that is garnering the most different answers because I think wrestling in a whole, like we kind of alluded to a little bit, had so many companies really step up. And WWE is one that definitely had a really good year. But there's a lot of indies, too, that really stepped their game up as well, too. And I'm not saying it's going to be a locker leap, but I think that you're going to see this one be arguably the most highly contested one Mm -hmm. of the year. Yeah. So that said, the prestigious award of the year, the one that really solidifies the Brodies, is up next, and that is match of the year. Pad, what was your match 
of 2022. I'm going to look back to Clash at the Castle, which took place in uh, Cardiff, Wales, at Principality Stadium over in uh, over in uh, the United Kingdom. You know, the United Kingdom's first pay-per-view in like 30-some-odd years, whatever it was. And I'm going to look at uh, Gunther, who took on Sheamus for the Intercontinental Championship. And, you know, this is where the whole banger after banger after banger started. Because I'll be honest, in my time watching wrestling, I've never cared for Sheamus. Mm. You know, he's a good he's a good worker. Don't get me wrong. I've seen him in person. That man is also tall as fuck yeah. for a human. For, for a human being, like, I get most wrestlers are tall. No, Sheamus is on a whole different other level of tall. You know, so I've respected him. And, like, I've, I've but I've just never cared for the whole thing. You know, I, I like the Sheamus and Cesaro thing, you know, when they were tagging, just, you know, just because they became such a good tag team. But in, in his single stuff, I just never cared. You know, so when he came to this matchup with Gunther, you know, obviously with Imperium and ringside and then the Brawling Brutes there, I was like, yeah, I, I honestly, my expectations for this match were real low. I was like, I'll watch it, but like, I'm probably not going to come out of it thinking that much of it. It'll be what it is. Christ almighty, that was a f- phenomenal match. In, um, incredible from start to finish. Yeah, that one definitely stands out, too. There is a lot to choose from this year, too. I think there's a lot of very, very strong work that not necessarily is all in WWE, but I think, though, you're going to see a lot that are going to be coming out in the post-Triple H era that I think are definitely going to stand out. I think you're going to see some AEW matches pop in. I think for matches, not storylines and, and anything else. And I know to already disclaim to the CM Punk versus Young Bucks backstage brawl is not eligible <laughs> for match of the year, but I think that will garner some fucking, votes. I'm gonna fucking put that in just because I, I'm waiting for you to because you can easily do this in more ways than one. You can go over to odphpodcast.com, enter in the ballot right there, like Pat t- told you at the beginning of the segment. You just have to click on the or the image, and it'll take you right to the form. You can do it, or Pat is actually putting this in the liner notes of the podcast. So if you want to make your vote heard, we want to make sure it's all tallied up by midnight of December 29th. So we have enough time to tally everybody's votes and get that all together. This is the perfect time to do it. So all you got to do is just click, fill it in, and submit. It's that simple. And then make sure to join 607 TWS, Rich, and myself on January's first episode and hear the results of who has taken home the most prestigious word in all of independent podcast pro wrestling. That said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about John Cena returning for one more match to keep that streak of 20 years of John Cena and WWE going? And then make sure to submit your votes for the Brodies this year. It's going to be a fun time, and you definitely want to make sure your voice is heard if you're talking pro wrestling with us here at the ODPH and 607 Podcast. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, and welcome to The Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com, to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the user name at caption life you'll get a new episode from us every week so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out coming back for the final segment on this edition of the odph podcast pad 
What you got? Got just one thing to talk about. Like we said, it's been quiet in sports and entertainment this week, so I got to talk some local minute. Uh, looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, that of course is the league that our local Binghamton Black Bears play in, uh, and specifically at the Empire Division, where the Binghamton Black Bears still sit in second place behind Danbury. Danbury with a record of 17 wins, one loss, two losses in either overtime or shootout. Uh, and then you've got the Black Bears in second place with a record of 14 wins, five losses, and then two losses in either wins, or, oh, excuse me, losses, two losses in either overtime or shootouts, doing very well for themselves. Uh, looking at the, the past week's game, well, they didn't play the game on Friday because uh, it was freeze your ass off cold here in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, in case you are from one of the lucky ones who weren't here, uh, at one point I looked at my phone on Thursday night, now this is in Fahrenheit, uh, you can convert it to whatever it is for Celsius and then whatever it is for Kelvin. Uh, but at one point in Fahrenheit, Thursday night, it was minus one. Nor Without like the wind chill or anything else, just the normal temperature was minus one. The feels like was at minus 21. Uh, and it was so cold that the washer fluid in the line in my car froze for two days. So that was Ooh. so that was fun. Yeah. So much for the washer fluid being good up to minus thirty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the game they were supposed to play this past Friday against the Watertown Wolves at home did not take place because of the fear of inclement weather. Uh, so reading from an article on BinghamtonBlackBears.com, it reads, "Quote: Friday night's contest against the Watertown Wolves has been postponed. A makeup date will be announced at a later time. The Black Bears will be offering a ticket exchange for our December thirty first game for all tickets purchased through the Binghamton Black Bears office." Close quote. So if you were one of those folks here in the 607 area who had purchased a ticket for their game on Friday, this past Friday, December 23rd, and obviously weren't able to make it because of the weather, you will, uh, if, I'm sure if you call their uh, office uh, down at the arena or you go to BinghamtonBlackBears.com and reach out to them via email or social media, they'll be able to help you work out how to get a new ticket for this upcoming game uh, because they're scheduled this week. Uh, they've got a game on Friday, December 30th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. That is on the road against the Watertown Wolves. And then they return home Saturday, as we mentioned, for a game on December 31st. Got to note, though, this is a special start time, probably because it's New Year's Eve and all the festivities downtown. Uh, start time of 5 p.m. Eastern. Okay. So if you show up at 7.30, you're probably coming in at about the third period, and the game's almost over. Yeah. Uh, so that is against the Watertown Wolves. If you're not able to make that game, however, don't worry. They'll be home next weekend for a uh, double home game weekend uh, the following weekend. Uh, so for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. So due to when we were recording this, I can't go into full breakdowns of the books that we're going to be talking about on Parlay Points this week because of embargo reasons, but... The books I'm reading out, you should definitely have on your pull list and definitely make sure you don't leave your comic shops or comiXology without purchasing them because there are some fantastic books coming out this week. Kicking off my list from Boom Studios, Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number two. This is a very, very creative tale by Jason Aaron and Alexandre Tenefiki. I apologize if I butchered the last name. And this one is a book that has just gone in such a crazy direction. Uh, the first issue came out, really set up this pace for this unique post-apocalyptic story. And where it's going to go from here is going to be something special. So you definitely want to make sure you check that one out. Also, from Boom Studios. Boom has a huge week this week, Pat. Huge. Okay. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Hey. First issue comes out. All I really need to say about this is Ryan Parrott, Dan Mora. Okay. If I need to say anything else, I don't really know what I can do to say this should be a no-brainer that you should be picking this book up, and we'll have plenty to discuss about this next week. Ryan Parrott is doing some great work. 
Hoping to get him on the podcast very, very soon. Mm, wink, wink, notch, notch. Stay tuned, dot, dot, dot. Got a lot to talk to him about between this book and Rogue Son. So, and some football, too, as well. So you never know. Just stay tuned to the ODPH for that. Like I said, Boom Studios, big week. There is a spinoff from Something is Killing the Children. Okay. So the the amazing book by James Tynan and Werther Delorita has spawned off into House of Slaughter, which was a great companion book as well. This is a one-shot called Book of Slaughter, and this really is going to be something that something is killing the children fans are going to definitely want to check out. It's got a lot of cool things in it that you definitely don't want to miss. And for me, it it was such a great companion piece because, like I said, I love the two books that are out right now, and this is just an, like the cherry on the Sunday for perfection for me. For, nice. So I really dig that. Also, from Boom Studios to Damn Them All, number three, Simon Spurrier, Charles Edlard. Like, listen, this book is just getting wilder and wilder, and it came off like the first issue was absolutely explosive. The second one is right there. Third one you definitely don't want to miss as well. So, boom, like I said, solid week. And then this is only, like I say, just the picks we're really hyping up about. Over, like, they got just a stacked lineup, period. Uh, also, from Valiant Entertainment, Valiant is dropping off Bloodshot Unleashed, number four. Dennis Camp, uh, filling art duty, though. John Davis Hunt is not on this. This is Eric Zawicki. Okay. Uh, so they're filling in. Uh, this looks like it might be the last issue for a while, obviously, with how Valiant has been rotating their books going once a month. Right. So this is going to be the final issue for now for the Bloodshot Unleashed series. But I'll tell you what, this has been the definitive voice of Bloodshot. Dennis Camp has captured it. And really made it such a fascinating character. I the fact that this hasn't been mature readers before, I think, has been a disservice to the character, in my opinion. And it's nothing against the great because there's been great Valiant stories with Bloodshot too. But I think now making it mature readers and really letting Camp go off in some really wild directions with the character, I think, has just been nothing but box office. And it's something I really love. So, like I say, you can't go wrong with that. And speaking of Dennis Camp too. The Image Comics pick of the week, 20th Century Men number five. Listen, this whole story is just completely intense in your face, doesn't hold anything back, and very, very imaginative. What he's doing with Esmeran has been just absolutely wild. So if you really want to get something different in your hands and or your digital screens, definitely check this book out. A lot of stuff going on with that with Image Comics. And like we always say, make sure you're going out supporting your local comic shops and you know, your digital stores too, but make sure the LCS too, especially this holiday season. If you have a pull list, go pick it up, purchase everything and make sure to, you know, clear it out for 2023. That's all I'm going to say with that. But before we sign out, there is another award show going on too that has generated quite the social media buzz amongst comic book fans and creators. Mm -hmm. And Pad, what is that award? That is the fourth annual Cheersies Awards. Yes, so the annual award show that I co-host with Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics podcast is back, and I feel like I'm underselling when I say bigger than ever, but it really is. We have done something a little different here. We've kind of really opened up the fan voting, kind of taken it away from Twitter and really presenting it to the fans in every single medium, and the turnout for the votes has been insane. I'm not pulling anything. I'm not trying to oversell this. The response has been huge. The response from creators mm -hmm. has been very, very huge. Rom V has reshared this. We've seen Tom Taylor reshare this. Melissa Flores. 
you are seeing a lot of the big names in comics really talk about this. And for Brian and me, this is absolutely mind-blowing to us. Super excited to get to the award show next week, January 4th, on Facebook and YouTube and in podcast form. We're even going to be resharing the episode here on the ODPH Podcast Network just because the episode is going to be that much fire. And I cannot wait to get into it because we love doing this show. Like Brian and I have been doing this now for four years. And we're pretty much going to do this as long as we're both in podcasting. And it is always a blast. It's a long episode. So you definitely want to make sure if you're watching live, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you're on the East Coast like me, make sure you have your coffee ready. I will have mine ready to go. But we're going to go through and give Pad's picks for the awards. And it's done the same way. Go to where, Pad, to vote? Uh, you go to odphpodcast.com. And right next to the link for the Brody's Awards, uh, there is an image link to the Cheersies Awards, which takes you to a Google Doc. You fill out your email. Uh, and then you make your picks. And then you submit them. Also, in the show notes of this episode, there will be a link to the said Google Doc. Yes. So that said, we have the picks open, and like I say, we actually, we actually gave the write-in option along with the ones Brian and I nominated. Right. So if you're like, wait, this book should be on here, or this creator should be, write it in. We're welcome to anybody writing it in, and obviously we're tallying up the votes. And like we said, the turnout has been crazy too. Like I say, you see some of the nominations up here for the comics. It compares nothing to the actual ones that we have gotten in, like the hundreds and hundreds that have come in. It's been absolutely wild. So you definitely want to make sure you're getting your voice heard for this. And like I said, don't hesitate to write something in too. So, Pat, that being said, let's kick off the category, shall we? Yeah, so the first one on the list is the best horror comic, and the ones you guys have nominated is from Dark Image Comics, Dark Ride. Uh, also from Image Comics, Silver Coin. Uh, from Image Comics, I Hate This Place. Uh, from Image Comics, The Closet. And then from Comicsology Originals slash Dark Horse Comics, Night of the Ghoul. Yes, this is a very, very stacked lineup. Um, this one has been very polarizing, too, because a lot of people are writing in a lot of different books, and the votes have been swinging back and forth hmm. for who's taking it right now. Okay. So don't want to spoil anything right now. Uh, you probably have an idea if you know me well where I voted, but it's not to say it's fully locked in. I'm just putting that out there right okay. now. Uh, next up is the best, and I'm not, not picking anything because I don't read horror comics. Yeah, this is, Pat has to abstain. Uh, next category is the best new character. Uh, from Marvel Ghost Rider, you have Exhaust. From Marvel Spider-Man, Chasm. Also from Marvel Spider-Man, Gold Goblin. From Marvel, Bedl or from Marvel Venom, you have Bedlam. From Marvel Daughter of the Blade, Bloodline. Uh, from Image Comics, the, dead, the Dead Lucky, you have uh, Bibiana Lopez, Yang. Uh, from Image Comics, Rogue Son, Dylan Seigel. And then from Boom Studios, Grimm, you have Jessica Harrow. This one was one of the hardest ones Brian and I were going back and forth about. Because this year in comics, there has been so many great series and so many great new characters coming out. The votes have been swaying very back and forth about this. Okay. And I will say this, Massiverse has been showing up big, but it's not to say it's locked up just yet. There is one character on here, and I'm not going to spoil it, that has gotten a surge as of late hmm. and is currently in the lead as we are recording. But it's not to say it's fully locked in. But if you really want to get your voice heard, this is definitely one that will have fans talking. we got a lot to talk about. Pad, do you have any feelings here? Let's say Gold Goblin. I like a new Goblin. Okay, fair enough. Next uh, up. is a Best Speculation Book, and the nominees are 8 Billion Genies from Image Comics. Black Panther number three from Marvel Comics, Edge of Spider-Verse from Marvel, 
Venom number five from Marvel, Amazing Spider-Man number 13 from Marvel, Amazing Spider-Man number 93 from Marvel, Axe free comic book day, free comic book day special from Marvel, uh, Miles Morales number 38 from Marvel, Death of Doctor Strange from Marvel, Night of the Ghoul from Comicsology slash Dark Horse Comics, and then Supermassive number one from Image Comics. So the speculation book is this is going to be something for collectors. This is something that's going to make a lot of noise, and it's out and definitely set up a lot of things coming out. That There's a certain amount of hype behind it. Uh, listen, any of these nominees definitely fit the bill for it. I'm just going to put it out there. It's a stacked lineup, and even more came in, too. I'm going to say Death of Doctor Strange, just because anytime Marvel kills one of their big Avengers level characters, it's always a big deal. Okay. Uh, next up is Best Publisher, and the nominees are Boom Studios, Image Comics, Source Point Press, Dark Horse Comics, Comicsology Originals, and Marvel Comics. Man, this is a tough one. This one definitely has got a lot of votes in, and I think it's pretty much equal as of right now mm. across the board, um, if memory serves me right. So definitely a lot of fans are making votes. And I will say this. This has been a very strong year for the the nominees that each went up here. Like, I right. could see each one winning this. And the one thing that I will stress, too, is uh, Comixology Originals. That is one that if, if you're not reading digitally, I always scream on here left and right. We do a lot of reviews for them, and the books have been fantastic. So if you're not familiar, this is a time to get caught up and then make your vote after. And, you know, like I say, but anyone on this list right now has been killing it this year. So, like, this is one, whoever comes away with the cheers, he has definitely earned this one, hands down. I'm going to say Marvel. Okay. Uh, next up is Best Star Wars Series. Oh, this is you, Pad. Yeah. Uh, so the nominees are The Mandalorian. The Mainline Star Wars series, the Darth Vader series, uh, the Bounty Hunters series, Dr. Aphra, uh, and then Han Solo and Chewbacca. Talk to me. Uh, wait, listen, it's whatever one Charles Solo is doing because Charles Solo can do no wrong in Star Wars. Uh, I'm going to have to say probably Vader. Vader's just been phenomenal from start to finish, top to bottom. All things. It's no, that's no disrespect to the other ones. The other ones are all phenomenal. Like now is one of the best times for Star Wars comics I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, just the Darth Vader stuff has been so good. Fair enough. Uh, next up is the best cover art, uh, and the nominations are uh, Iron Man number 23 with the artwork done by Alex Ross, uh, Iron Man number 22D uh, from Bjorn uh, Barenz, Amazing Spider-Man number 93D uh, from Patrick Gleason, uh, and then Immortal X-Men number 4 from Mark Brooks, and then Miles Morales number 1 from Mike Del Mundo. And if you're wondering, too, about what these covers look like, the nominees, Brian actually put the graphics right above them. So you can see which ones are nominated. However, there's a lot that have been written into as well. So I want to stress this one. So, Pat, what you got? I'm going to say probably the Alex Ross Iron Man one. Listen, Alex Ross, you can do no wrong with. Fair enough, man. No arguments here. Uh, Next up is the best indie series. And the nominees for this one are Eight Billion Genies from Image Comics, Three Keys from Image Comics, Grimm from Boom Studios, the Dead Lucky from Image Comics, Twig from Image Comics, Rogue Son from Image Comics, House of Slaughter from Boom Studios, Do a Powerbomb from Image Comics, and then Night of the Ghoul from Comicsology slash Dark Horse Comics. Man, this is a loaded series. The indies are absolutely killing it this year. Um, I'm abstaining announcing my vote until uh, we get to the show. I'm going to say Rogue Son. Okay. Well, you know Ryan Parrott well? I do. Uh, next up is Best Denny DC Miniseries. Uh, the nominees are Poison Ivy, DC vs. Vampire, or Vampires, excuse me, Dark Knights of Steel, 
and then the human target. Yeah, this one, like so people were asking why we only had so many nominees, and it's like miniseries are tough for us. Yeah. But this is why we offer the the write in vote. And there have been some write ins too. This one though, whew, there's two that jump out at me, but I don't want to sway anybody's vote. So, Pad, what you got for this? I'm gonna say DC versus vampires. Okay. A little little dark horse, a little weird, but hey, it's it's interesting. Okay, fair enough. Next is best DC comics ongoing. Uh the nominees are Nightwing. Batman slash Superman, World's Finest, Batman, Detective Comics, and then Superman, Son of Kal-El. Oh, great year for DC. Yeah. Great year. Um, th- This is tough. This is really, really tough. Um, I'm going to defer to you. What, what do you got for this one? I'm going to say Nightwing. Nightwing has just been phenomenal from them, top to bottom, start to finish, everything else. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, I can't argue with you. Whoever is coming out with the cheersies for DC is definitely high praise because all five of these books, at least, because, like I said, the write-ins, too, are there, have all been killing it this year. Like, DC, say what you will about what's going on with the movies and TV shows. Comics-wise, been really doing some cool things, and I'm already going to give, like, a little preview for next year. (laughs) Superman is lined up for a big year. Okay. Huge year. Uh, Next up is the best Marvel miniseries. The nominees are Edge of Spider-Verse. Dark Ages, Spider-Punk, Midnight Suns, and then Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood. This one, great category. Marvel's been doing a lot of great work on their comics line. This one swings very back and forth between three so far. But the other books have been getting votes in, too. So, like, I want to say when I'm saying it's swing, it seems like there's a bunch that come in one day for one book, and then the next day there's a bunch that come in for another one. So the winner is not clear-cut just yet from this one. But there's three that have been really jumping out that the fans have been DMing. And listen, you can tell me your fandoms for it. Like, I'm cool with this, but I, it's not going to sway my vote. The vote is to the public. So listen, just make sure your voice is heard and make sure you're sharing the ballot on social media and let people know what you voted too because, you know, it's honestly, we're going to hear a lot of feedback from this uh, category as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then next up is the best Marvel Comics series ongoing. Uh, the nominees are Venom, Wolverine, Darth Vader, Ghost Rider, Carnage, Hulk, Thor, and Savage Avengers. Man, stacked lineup from Marvel. Very stacked. Um, no clear-cut winner here. Not surprising. Like, no, Marvel's got such a stacked lineup here. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Next up, though, we go through the creative teams mm-hmm. and obviously this one if you made the list here you've definitely earned your spot for the nominations wide open races here too as well yeah uh that is the best letterer series and uh, for this nomination for these nominees you have uh tom uh and i apologize i'm going to butcher some of these names tom napolitano from grim chris crank who worked on eight billion genies wes abbott who worked on nightwing travis uh, lanham who worked on ghost rider David Lentz, who worked on Good Boy, and then and, and World Design. Stacked lineup there, Pad. Yeah. Stacked. Uh, next up is the uh, Best Colorist category. Uh, the nominees for this category are uh, Jean-Francois Bellou, from, who worked on Twig, Rico Renzi, who worked on Grimm, Kevin Nipstein, who worked on uh, 8 Billion Genies, Adriana Lucas, who worked on Nightwing, uh, Mattia Iacono, who worked on The Dead Lucky, and Francesco Francavilla, who worked on Night of the Ghoul. Man, great great roster right there. Absolutely great roster. 
Uh, then you have the best illustrator category, the best artist slash illustrator category. And the nominees are Bruno Redondo, who worked on Nightwing, Corey Smith, who worked on Ghost Rider, Flaviano, who worked on Grimm, Ro, uh, Roge Antonio, who worked on Carnage, uh, Juan Ferreira, who worked on uh, DN Spider-Man, uh, French uh, Carlomango, who worked on Dead Lucky, uh, Abel, who, Abel, who worked on Rogue Son, Daniel Warren Johnson, who worked on Do a Powerbomb, Francesco Francavilla, who worked on Night of the Ghoul, and then Dan Mora, who worked on World's Finest slash Once and Future. Man, this one is definitely not going to be an easy choice for anybody. I'm sorry. Like, this one is going to really, really be a tough one to call here, but fantastic artists involved. Fantastic. Then we get to the best writer category, and this is probably the most stacked lineup I've ever seen in my life. Bring it on. Uh, so for this category, the nominees are Tom Taylor, Scott Snyder, Charles Soule, Rom V, Chip Zdarsky, James Tynan IV, Stephanie Phillips, Ryan Parrott, Melissa Flores, and Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah. Good luck picking somebody out of that category. And the write-ins have been coming in, too. Like, we've had some great ones, too. Because I know people are like, well, how come this person wasn't nominated? We've got 10 nominations for writers. Yeah. Like, seriously, we could have gone complete Oscars and gone five, and then the write-ins would have been all over the place. This is really anybody's guess who's going to do it. But how much great writing is in comics right now? How much? And then the award of the year. Uh, The best single issue category in the nominees are Freak Show Kingdom number one from Second Sight Publishing. Bone Orchard, 10,000 Black Feathers, number three, from Image Comics. Eight Billion Genies, issue number one, from Image Comics. Dark Ride, issue number two, from Image Comics. Ghost Rider, issue number five, from Marvel Comics. Nightwing 2022 Annual, from DC Comics. Radiant Black, issue number 18, from Image Comics. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, issue number 100, from Boom, Boom Studios. Do a Powerbomb, issue number seven, from Image Comics. And then Fantastic Four, Full Circle, from Abrams Books slash Marvel Comics. That's all I can really say about that. Uh Uh-huh. Like, that is one of the most stacked lineups for the awards this year. Like, I mean, all of them are stacked, but this one, there is no wrong answer here. This is, like, whatever you're voting for, this is definitely clicking, especially the write-ins, too. I know we've gotten a lot of votes in for Rogue Sun number 7. That was the Choose Your Own Adventure book. Oh, okay. That that makes sense. as well, so... Uh, like if anybody's writing stuff in, write it in too. Like I say, I'm not, we're not dismaying anybody from writing in. These are just like Brian and I were hammering the nominees, the books we've talked to the most with fans about this year. So pad reading that list. I mean, do you got one that you're feeling right now? I mean, obviously this could change. I got, I don't know. I got to, I got to uh, spend some more time looking over them. I have no idea. Fair enough. But this is why you can make the votes in and obviously get them into us by January 3rd. That is the cutoff date for this, for the 2022 cheers. He's, uh, listen, this is going to be one of the best award shows you're going to hear, uh, see whatever is going to be the case. I know it's going to be on YouTube and Facebook, so you definitely want to chime in. Make your voice heard. Obviously, we'll be answering as many comments as we can because I'm sure we're going to get a lot in. Yeah. And uh, just stay tuned for that because that's going to be a fun time. And listen, uh, on behalf of everybody here at the ODPH and the Extended 607 Podcast family, Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you for listening. For the one only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M., it's been a pleasure to do this for five-plus years now, and we're hoping to continue keep going strong into the new year and beyond. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Fill out your ballots. All are in the liner notes. 
and we'll see you next year. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast.